Welcome to Courageous Help by BASE, where we believe in the power of assistance to change the world. I'm Natalie Turner of BASE, formerly an executive assistant, now designing learning and development exclusively for EAs to leverage skills and maximize impact. On Courageous Help, we sit down with current and former assistants who are challenging the status quo, from impacting global business practices to molding new career paths and beyond, all while managing their full plate as an assistant. Join us while we explore how today's assistants can leverage their position to drive positive change. Today on Courageous Help, I am thrilled to be chatting with Elle Tyra. Elle is a strategic business partner who specializes in workflow optimization and executive operations. She's currently the executive assistant to the president of Hauser & Worth, a contemporary and modern art gallery. Prior to joining Hauser & Worth in 2021, she was the executive assistant to the CEO of the New York Times. Elle is originally from Columbus, Georgia, and has lived in Manhattan for nine years. So to kick us off, Elle, I would love if you could share a little bit about your journey to becoming an executive assistant. Did you expect to land in this career or how how did you get here? Um, first of all, thank you so much for having me. And that's such an interesting question. I started out as a front desk associate at a major art gallery, and I did really well at that. And someone came along one day and said, you're my new sales assistant. And so it was like, okay, I'm a sales assistant. And from that, I just kind of thought about transferring to the corporate world and translating some of those skills into a setting that might have a little bit more of a ladder that I could climb. And so I just said, well, can I translate sales assistant work into executive assistant work? And if so, how far can it go? And here I am. It's been about seven years. So to answer your question, I didn't quite choose it. I think it chose me. Yeah, it <laughs> sounded like you didn't it. you didn't have a choice in the matter. Yeah. Like one day I was an assistant and now here I am. So it's been a great journey. That's amazing. And you know, it's it's I, I don't think we've ever had anyone in the the art space on the podcast before. Would you mind to share a little bit about like even what is the day-to-day like? Like how is it different than maybe more of a traditional corporate setting? Because you obviously have experience there as well. I mean, one of the biggest differences is just being surrounded by artwork and artists. And I think in a different way. That is very exciting. There are so many different personalities and there are so many different dynamic people that you're constantly, you know, catering to and looking after and cheering on and supporting. And so each day can look different. You might have, you know, a VIP drop in unannounced that is just someone truly unexpected. You might meet an artist that you like dreamed of, you know, working with or meeting or that you wrote your thesis on or that just produced a body of work that completely changed your outlook on something. And I just think it's the sheer privilege, first of all, that sets it apart because, you know, the art world is so veiled and can be a tough nut to crack. Yeah. But then once you're in, it is just really beautiful and exciting. So I just think some of the once in a lifetime pieces set it apart. And then I think beyond that, often because these are privately held companies that have been doing things, you know, their own way without really any interference, things are just done uniquely. 
They're done in a way that you may not see in the corporate world where you're constantly rubbing shoulders or competing with the status quo, you know, or things that might function on a more traditional business model and that sort of thing. So I think that you just have to be up for something fresh and unexpected. Yeah. Does that does that opportunity for doing things in a unique way, does that extend itself to your job as well? I mean, I would say my job as an executive assistant, because I'm very clear on the work that I want to do. I would say not as much because I'm very clear on how I want it to look. And I try really hard to bring my skill set to the job and the role and the executive office, regardless of where I am. And I'm really focused on the path that I want to, you know, take. And so I suppose it could, I mean, maybe here and there, unique things, but I would say that goes with each role, but not necessarily because I'm really dead set on <laughs> like the work that I want to do and, and what I want that to look like and how I want to partner with my executive. Yeah, you sound really clear in how you how you know you want to operate and how you want to show up in your role. And and it almost sounds like also like where you're going, where you're hoping to to take this. I want to dig into that a little bit more, but I would I I, I do want to start off with our question of the podcast, which is how do you think assistants are changing the world? I love this question. And I thought about it and I was just like, oh my gosh. I mean, I think one of the ways that we're changing the world is by bringing equity into spaces that are still seeking equity or that still face a lot of bias and bringing voices to people that may not have had voices in spaces traditionally. So I think, you know, empowering, you know, women, minorities, you know, people of color, whoever you are from what could potentially be a marginalized group, or you may even be a male in an executive assistant setting. And, you know, by there, you're oftentimes an exception to the rule. But I think empowering executive assistants now to have a voice, to demand a seat at the table, to understand that you're worth that, and to begin to kind of erase imposter syndrome or feeling you're not worthy or feeling like the only thing you are worthy of is like sorting the mail and getting the coffee. I think we're reaching people groups that are so far and wide that it's changing the industry it's changing the workplace and I think in ways changing the world. Mm, I gosh, you know, you just articulated something that I've never really thought about before. So sort of flipping on its head, you know, this idea of executive assistants are always, you know, fighting to have their voice heard and we're trying to, you know, reform how we're perceived because, you know, like you mentioned, we started at, you know, sorting the mail and coffee and all of that. I mean, we didn't, but but a long time ago, or not not that long ago, honestly. And I almost think of it as like the way that you articulated it, it almost serves as a role that could be a really big equalizer and almost in like a covert way. Because like you mentioned, women, minorities, men in this context can kind of come in unassuming, like can kind of come in as like, here I am, you know, I'm in this role that people, not that people don't expect much of, but that people have preconceived notions about. And of course, we're all working to change that. But by way of changing it, and also here I am having access to access and opportunity to influence groups of people I ordinarily never would. And 
yeah, almost kind of like, almost kind of like a switcheroo. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, you didn't see this coming because I came in in this kind of unassuming role. And actually we have a lot of power and a lot of things to say and, and a lot of impact to make. So I really appreciate you sharing that perspective. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think one of the issues with the role is that people feel very clear on what it is an executive assistant does and can do. And, you know, like you're saying, a lot of this originated from women in the workplace who brought this skill set of domestic service. Mm -hmm. And so what you'll see in this Mad Men era concept is women who were, you know, coming from a secretarial or domestic background. So like getting the ham sandwich was the thing of the day. But as you are bringing in talent that has an interest in business strategy and the business model and operations and master's degrees and all of this, you know, kind of qualification and aptitude. So like the role should expand along with the talent so that it goes beyond those things. And I think, you know, we're starting to raise our hand and say, but I'm capable of so much more. I'm thinking of this in a way that, you know, maybe you didn't or like bringing a voice to the table that's necessary because you might be the only person of color in the room. You might be the only of that gender in the room or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. And so I kind of want to circle back to what you're talking about around you know how you know what you want to bring to the role and you know where you're going and we can talk as much or as little about this as you like but you know that little line in your bio of you were the ea to the ceo of the new york times i'm assuming that was quite the environment and i'm curious how shifting from that kind of back into the art space and that that seems like an intentional move I, I don't know the, the story behind it. I, I'd be happy to hear it if you're if you're willing to share. But yeah, I just kind of want to hear more about this kind of drive and trajectory that you seem to be really clear on. Yeah. I mean, first of all, at the New York Times, I was partnering with Mer- with Meredith Copet Levian, who is just one of the most phenomenal people and executives you ever have the opportunity to work with. And just by definition of working with her and alongside her, you have to step up your game and you become so much better. And her drive just kind of rubs off on you, right? And I think that's also something that goes along with being at the New York Times. It's a once in a lifetime opportunity. And I think from there, you know, kind of finding that I wanted what Meredith would call wingspan, right? Like Mm -hmm. I wanted a little bit more wingspan. And I think that had something to do with my shift into the art world and going from a legacy company to something that even though it's been around for about 30 years in comparison is newer, you do find that some of the infrastructure of the company is still being built and it's so ripe with opportunity Hauser and Worth is incredibly open-minded. And I think it's been a really great opportunity to have impact. That's one of the things that I love most about where I am now, but also why I'm so grateful for the time that I spent at the New York Times, because I just gained knowledge and skills, you know, right and left that I'll take with me forever. Mm, Yeah. And I'm assuming part of the the gaining of that knowledge and skills like all of us is, you know, facing challenges and and overcoming them. Would you be willing to share what are some of the biggest challenges you've 
faced as an assistant and and how you overcame them? Sure. I mean, like a lot of people, one of the biggest challenges, honestly, was time management. Because you're being thrown someone's whole world and you're supposed to know what's going on at all times and be ready for anything at any moment. And so there's this balancing act for your attention and like your capability and your readiness. So I think growing in that regard, just in terms of bandwidth and capacity, and a lot of the times EAs will still find themselves faced with that, right? One of the biggest challenges is learning what to say no to, Hmm. how to say yes, but right now, how to kind of dictate the workflow, because everyone is coming to you for something and saying, I'm happy to do that. I place the order on Thursday or whatever it is. So I would say that was one of the biggest challenges and areas where I had to mature was understanding like just how to manage my time and my own workflow. I think in being more deliberate in that, I've learned how to be more deliberate with my executives time and attention well. And I mean, there's kind of like a kind of converse relationship there where in being intentional with my executives time am I as intentional with my own? And so you just kind of have this back and forth that kind of plays out. But time management was huge. I had to grow there pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I I feel you there. <laughs> and gosh, there are so many things that we've talked about so far, even just in the short time we've been talking that I want to kind of circle back to. So we talked about in your answer to our our big question of the podcast, you know, bringing equity into spaces and bringing voices to people who don't traditionally have them maybe. And I'd love to hear about how you've done this practically. Sure. Oh gosh, that's a big question. (laughs) You know, one of the lessons that I've learned is seeking things for myself and bringing the rest of the group along with me. So I think in seeking equity for myself, and honing my own voice and what it is that I want to say about the business or if there's a meeting that I'm in or whatever it is or why I deserve a seat at the table or or why I'm as ambitious as I am and ambitious in this industry. Like I, at this moment, don't have a desire to pivot into another role. So being really clear about that and fighting for equity myself and saying, but this is what the role is capable of doing And this is why we deserve the same opportunities as anyone else. You know, being really clear that I'm not just in the meeting to take notes. I'm here because I represent my executive or I'm here because I have a voice or because I have eyes and ears in an area of the organization that maybe you don't or, you know, because I want to have an ear to the ground about what's going on so that I can be impactful in my executive's work. I think just being really clear on my own rights to equity and my own desires to want to break through some of the bias. I can take that experience and then empower someone else, or I can speak to it on a platform like this. And you never know who's listening. You never know who's watching. I guarantee you people are. They will come up to you or they will follow the example, or they will see you at a conference or hear you on a podcast. And that will power and inspire someone else. Mm, I love the piece you shared about bringing people along with you and whether that is, you know, people in your organization, people in the room next to you, or like you said, on a platform like this, like you're bringing people with you in 
a variety of context and you're setting that example for what is possible. You're setting that example for, yeah, the the people in the room who are maybe not familiar with what it is executive assistants do, you know, maybe they do assume you're there to take notes or you're there just to relay things back to your executive. And so, yeah, setting that example and being that, like I said, example of what's possible for the other people in the room, that's, yeah, that the impact of that, like, that's one of those things that I feel like we say, and it, it's easy to just sort of move along. But like, the true impact of that is, it can't be understated. So I appreciate you, you bringing that up again. And yeah, I, yeah. Uh, it really can't be understated because I've been in meetings with a room full of executives that didn't have a perspective that I had simply because they hadn't worked at the company that I was at before the New York Times, I was at CBS Interactive. Mm. And so I saw things operate a totally different way. So I brought a perspective to the meeting that two other executives love and lo and behold, now it's like a topic of conversation and a new viewpoint they all really appreciate. And so I think the other piece to remember is that just because this is a CMO or a general manager or someone who's been doing what they've been doing for 10 to 20 years, they still face imposter syndrome just the same way that we do. But understanding that I can bring value to the table in an executive space and then empower them to want to raise their hand and ask the question that they were thinking the same thing I was thinking. I just had the nerve to raise my hand and ask. And so sometimes you never know who you're empowering. Mm, Yeah, that's huge. It was huge for me. I was like, oh my gosh, the CMO is piggybacking on what I just said. I mean, it was huge. That is huge. Because, you know, I think that sometimes if we're in our little assistant bubble, we're talking about inspiring each other and helping each other raise, you know, raise your hand and use your voice. But what you just said about you know, maybe you're inspiring someone else in the room, someone C-suite, someone who ordinarily would defer to someone, you know, higher, higher up than them, perhaps. And, and seeing you lead by that example is huge. And, you know, just having, like you said, having the nerve to raise your hand and ask what, like, what brought you there? What gave you that kind of ability to do that? I mean, I have to credit my network and being around people that really inspire me and people that I recognize as game changers and just surrounding myself with people that, you know, believe they're worth it and believe I'm worth it. So that when I show up at work, I believe that I deserve to be in that meeting. You know, taking your own one-on-ones with people in that company that you want to learn more about. And as you're forging these relationships, big or small, they'll say, but I've been doing this for 10 years and I still feel ashamed sometimes to ask this question in the meeting that we're all in. So I think just surrounding yourself with people that are willing to be open and honest with you or encourage you or people that you want to learn from, it's important to have, you know, courage rub off on you. Mm. And so I think that was huge because honestly, that breakthrough moment in that meeting came from believing that I deserve to be in the meeting. And that just came from seeing myself as worthy of and ready for a really powerful network. Mm. And with that network, I I heard you say, you know, scheduling one-on-ones with other folks in the company you were trying to build relationships with. What were other ways that you kind of utilized that network or built that network? 
I think saying yes to opportunities, saying yes to getting to know people inside and outside of the company. When someone reaches out to you on LinkedIn, you know, taking a look at the, at you know what the opportunity is or who it is that's asking and saying yes to a quick phone call or a cup of coffee or you know, being open to being connected with others. If you put yourself out there, you would be surprised at how much might come to you once people start to get to know you. Then they'll say, oh, you should meet Elle or you should meet so-and-so. And I think, you know, sometimes building that just comes from like taking the first step to be open-minded, but saying yes to opportunity. That's Mm -hmm. one of the best pieces of advice that I've gotten from a friend of mine who's just had an incredible career and we were having lunch one day and I was just saying, tell me a little bit about how you got to where you are. And she said, honestly, Elle, so much of it is about recognizing opportunity that's in front of you and taking advantage of it. And I've never forgotten that. Yeah. And I think that sometimes in this type of a role, you can be so caught up in the day to day and I have to do you know, these things by these deadlines. And it can be so easy to feel like, oh, I don't have time for that or I'll worry about that, you know, when I'm the next time I want to make a career move or whatever it is, but building it as you go and saying yes to those opportunities as you go might inspire you to make a move you never thought you would, or not even necessarily about making a move, but just even if it's as simple as what we were just talking about, you know, inspiring you or empowering you to have the nerve to raise your hand. So don't forget your opportunity could come from the coffee that you've had. You never know who wants to connect you to someone. Your opportunities might not be in the most obvious of places. Mm, Yeah, somebody needed to hear that. (laughs) And, you know, we were also speaking at the beginning about how clear you were on uh, this path that you've been on, you know, like whether it's climbing the ladder, like you mentioned that at the very beginning, you kind of wanted a career that had more opportunity for that and doing the work that you want to do. Not all EAs have this, you know, some, some people see this role as a bridge to somewhere else. And that's wonderful too. But it sounded like you mentioned when you were at the New York Times, you had a sense of you wanted more wingspan. I love that phrase. But I'm assuming that involved, you know, knowing you wanted to stay an executive assistant and just take it in a different direction. Can you talk a little bit more about that clarity and yeah, just kind of like the path that you envision? Sure. When I was at CBS Interactive, I was working for an executive who believed I deserved opportunities the same as everyone else on her team. And she allowed me to go to an EA conference. And I started attending these conferences and my eyes were open to what an executive assistant can do, where there are EAs that sit on boards or hearing the president of a company say, well, when I'm on vacation, I know that my EA can run the company while I'm gone. And I'm like, what are you in there? (laughs) Like, this is huge. I want that. And so I think being really clear on the kind of partnership that I want, because I want those opportunities. I want that for myself. I know that I'm capable of that. And just striving to reach for the most that I can have. But I just think being really clear on what my goal is and what it is I'm trying to achieve and just kind of keeping that in my view at all times. I think where some people might have a vision board, I kind of have this internal vision board. And I just like see myself doing the thing. 
And it's just kind of funny because I can remember being in elementary school and maybe like fourth grade in Columbus, Georgia. And somehow I just saw myself in the Northeast kind of as this nondescript businesswoman, you know, hustling and bustling. And it's like kind of now here I am. But I think somehow I just kind of saw that for myself the whole time. And the same way I see myself partnering with an executive who's passionate about strategy and we, you know, we want to have these discussions and we're kind of going back and forth over next steps. And I am just not willing to rest <laughs> until this comes to life. So I think just being really clear on what it is that I'm going for and just having the tenacity to mm. just keep at it until it comes true. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I I love that visual of like you being a little girl in fourth grade and seeing yourself in in essentially yeah where where you where you wound up and it sounds like from that vision like not that you necessarily were like in fourth grade we're like okay how do I make this happen practically you know but but you got there and you just have such a you just have such a clarity about you around around this role and I'm curious like do you see yourself supporting the next generation of assistants or what's the ultimate goal for you? I mean, absolutely. I, you know, want to leave a legacy. I want to, you know, create materials that other people can glean from. I want to create resources that are helpful. I want to continue to have more of these discussions. I want to open up the room for other people to come in and join the conversation. It's there's just kind of this moment where you realize there is a path that you're blazing that someone else can choose to take for themselves one day. And I think also understanding that generations of executive assistants who were once secretaries have been at this for so long. And it just becomes so much more than, you know, the the work you're doing in the here and now. It because it just grows beyond your own day to day. And it just becomes about possibility, empowerment, you know, equality and all of these kinds of things when it just might seem like all you're doing is putting time on the calendar for your executive to have lunch. But I think understanding there is so much more and I want there to be opportunity for executive assistants who want growth within the role. Because like you're saying, some people might just see it as a stepping stone. And I think there is a place for that. Those roles do exist. Yeah, But all too often, if we want to grow our skill set or we want to take this to the next level, it means taking on another job or leaving the role. And I don't want that for myself. And I want there to be opportunities for that next generation of assistants to go as high and as far as they want as EAs. Mm, Thank you for that. If If you could instill a trait or a belief in this next generation of assistants, what would it be? I mean, it would just be that you're worth it. You're worth the time. You're worth the attention. You're worth it. And don't let someone shut you down or tell you you don't belong or tell you you can't or tell you you're just an EA. If someone is telling you that, they have no idea what they're talking about. I remember when I got ready to move to New York and my manager at the time said, well, what are you going to do when you're right back here? Mm-hmm. And it was just kind of like, you have no clue of, of what you're really saying or what I'm capable of. And just because you think small for yourself doesn't mean I have to think small for myself. 
And so just kind of this concept of being worth it, I know, is just kind of, you know, overdone at this point. But I think that executive assistants just need to know that like you're worth being in the meeting. And if you get shut out of it, don't stop there. If it's something that you really want, you know, if it's something that you believe in, if you want more for yourself, if you want to be a a part of the conversation, you're worth being a part of the conversation. You know, it's worth raising your hand. It's worth pushing back. It's worth challenging the mindset or the status quo. Yeah. And like you mentioned, telling assistants that they're worth it, it, like it's become a thing at this point, but like, it's a thing because it needs to be, you know, it's a thing because people need to hear it, even, even if they've heard it before, because as we, as we continue transforming this industry, like we're going to need that reinforcement. So Thank you for sharing it. And before we close out this conversation, are there any threads we didn't get to pull on all the way or any last minute thoughts you want to share for anything we've talked about? I do want to give you one of my favorite hacks. Yeah. (laughs) Give me a hack. Okay. It's one of my favorite hacks is time boxing and just being really clear on what it is you want to accomplish that week and seeing it on the calendar. Is there calendar time for me to do the thing? And I try and make sure that I'm driving my my executives time the exact same way. But one of my absolute favorite things is doing a monthly close. Mm. And I just write my goals and my priorities for the month. And it doesn't have to be many and it doesn't have to be groundbreaking, but just putting those goals on the calendar for the month. And then when I'm doing my monthly close, asking myself how I achieved them. Have I been spending my time and energy on those things? And then doing the same thing for the next month. And there's for me, because I don't know if it's being goal oriented or being visual, but there's something about turning the page to that fresh, clean month that doesn't have any mistakes Mm. and like letting that past month go and saying it's a fresh opportunity. And I think there's something really beautiful about it being like four to five weeks because can't you really do pretty much anything for that long? So that's one of my favorite hacks is a monthly close, just to sit with yourself and evaluate your priorities, your goals, your accomplishments, and then do it again. And just also letting the last month and and the past go. I love that for so many reasons. You know, this is something that a lot of EAs probably do on behalf of their executives. And so turning around and doing it for yourself is such a huge deal. And you sound like you sound like a paper planner person, like where you're <laughs> able to flip a literal page. Cause you know, if you're in if you're in Google Calendar or you're in Outlook or whatever it is, it's always all there. And so I I just love the the literal page is done. That month is over. We're not looking at it anymore. <laughs> Yeah, we just forget that. Forget March. It's April. I love it. But then, of course, that intentionality. And I don't know if this is what you were getting at with the time, the time boxing, but I know so often it's like, okay, here are my goals for the month or the week or whatever it is. And it's like, there was literally never going to be enough time for all of that to happen. And so when I get to the end of the week and feel like a failure, it's actually not because I didn't work hard enough. It's because I set myself up for an impossible task <laughs> because, you know, I'm trying to fit a hundred units worth of stuff into, you know, 40 units of time <laughs> and it's just not going to happen. So yeah, just a little, a little addendum or, or a clarification on that. 
Yeah, absolutely. And just sometimes realizing that it's just about getting started maybe a week earlier because you're just mindful of deadlines and things coming up. And so those, those are just some of my favorite hacks that I wanted to share. I love it. Thank you for sharing your hack with me and and our audience. And then just our last question is, do you have anything you'd like to promote or a favorite resource you want to share or where can people find you? You can find me on LinkedIn, L Tyra. I think I'm the only one. But I mean, I think just in terms of resources, I would just like really empower you to just sit down with your calendar um, or just to reflect at least once a month. And, you know, just spend the time going over the nuts and bolts of what it is you're after and trying to accomplish and just don't let your sights off of it until you get there. I love that. The basics. Focus on what you're doing with your literal time. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing all of this with us today, Elle. And it it was really great chatting with you. Thank you so much for having me. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Courageous Help, brought to you by BASE. Learn more about how BASE is helping modern assistants maximize their potential at basehq.com or find us on LinkedIn at basehq or on Instagram at the BASE app. Don't forget to subscribe to Courageous Help wherever you get your podcasts.